Really, if you're our fans, don't do that. You know, come on, man. These kids are 18 and 19 years old. I mean, you can question my coaching and what the hell. And then when you do question it, by the way, just come into Cameron and look up in the ceiling. All right. And then then find out if you should question that. This is The Last Ride, a five-point play podcast tribute to the GOAT, Coach K. We've got two amazing interviews with Duke legends, so let's get right to it, boys. Jack, it's a huge week. It's a special week. What happened in Duke history this week? So uh, we got we got a lot, a lot on the podcast this week, TK, as you know, so I'm just going to get right into it. We only got two games this week that we want to talk about. Let's go all the way back. I'm going to take you back to a day that wasn't even actually in this week this year. February 29th, 1952, <laughs> Duke, Carolina at Duke Indoor Stadium, number 15 Duke beat unranked UNC by 30, 94 to 64, behind 48 points from Dick Grote, the legendary two-sport athlete, 1960 National League MVP. He was at the game last night, lives in Pittsburgh now, mm-hmm. 48 points for him. More than half of Duke's points as a whole team. 19 field goals made, 10 for 11 at the line on senior day. And here's something crazy. Sophomore Bernie Janicki, that game, he had 31 rebounds. That's still a school record. And I should mention Groats 48 is a record for points in a game at Cameron. So today's March 2nd. Podcast coming out today. Very exciting. I'm going to bring it back 116 years. March 2nd, 1906. In Durham, North Carolina, they don't even know where this game was played in Durham. It was somewhere in Durham, though. (laughs) Wake Forest visiting Trinity College and beating the uh, Trinity College team that didn't even have a name yet, 24 to 10. T.G. Stem and C.R. Claywell for Trinity, led with four points each. Trinity, as we know, became Duke. This is the first game in Duke basketball history. That was today. Wow. That was today. 116th anniversary today. All right. Well, I feel 116 years old, but uh, we, uh, <laughs> let's get to a couple quick recaps. We just finished a three-game road trip, um, obviously, at Virginia. I thought we played really well. Jeremy Roach was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then going on the road against Syracuse, and, and really, when we went on the road against Syracuse, we were kind of looking for Paulo to have that breakout game. I know you guys want to touch on that. Uh, <laughs> he, he really played fantastic. Give a shout-out to Mark Williams with 28-12, and 12, just a monster night for Big Mark. And then, you know, last night at Pitt, Trevor Keel said, you know, don't forget about me, 27 points, really just all over the floor, making, making threes whenever he wanted to. AJ played fantastic in all three of those games, so big shout out to him. But overall, AC, I know you guys want to shoot me about the Apollo stuff, so we'll get to that. But real quick, what did you see in these three games? Because all Duke Nation saying, you know what, the Lenardis, the Seth Davises that are putting us in number 14 and in, in, in their rankings, keep keep it up. Keep mm-hmm. saying it. Keep the bulletin board material coming because this team, I don't care who we're playing. I don't care about the down ACC. This team is starting to fire on all cylinders. Yeah, this this past couple, the past week was an exercise in two things. It was an exercise for fans to, to chill out and be patient. And it was an exercise in just seeing with our eyeballs. We don't need quad one. We don't need all of the other stuff to see who is legitimately the best team in the nation. This Duke team literally can play any style you throw at them. And they, they played three different styles this week. They played against the pack line. They played against the zone. They played against the pit team. 
that with Jeff Capel kind of tries to do everything to you on defense. Like it's and and everything that we do just maintained our defense maintained our, our three point percentage defense besides the six off the wall threes from Kihei Clark. You know, we shut UVA down on on that end of the three point line. Did the same thing to Syracuse. Syracuse is a one trick pony. We knew it was coming with that. Pitt Pitt couldn't get shots off. It was like this team is they're doing all the right things at the right time. And we just go back to what we talked about in January and February. Let them figure this out. We don't need January and February to to prove to us what they're going to do in March. Let them figure out what they're going to do, figure out what works and what doesn't work. And now this team literally has an entire bag going into the tournament. We have a full we have a full video clip and everything, everything we need for what the team knows that they can do and what they need to avoid. And I love it. I love heading into March like that. I got to say, I got to say. TK, what was it you said? You said Apollo doesn't get 24 and 11, it's over? Yeah, how long, Jack, how long did you want to wait for that? <laughs> he didn't, he didn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, but you're right. But yeah, go ahead, Jack. I'll let you, I'll, let you <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I just needed to start. I need to start with something like that. We'll get to that. I want to talk kind of similar to what AC was saying. This team faced a ton of different styles and a ton of different situations in these three straight road games, won all three of them. I believe they said on the broadcast last night, is that like this only the second time coach K's had a team win three straight road games mm-hmm. with no like home games in between. That's shocking. First of all, but looking at the, and we did it twice this year. Now we have two. Exactly. Finished wow. February, fe- fe- finished February undefeated on the road. If I'm not yep. mistaken. It. Impressive. It's, I I somehow don't believe I can't believe that that's only happened those two times. If maybe one other, but still. Well, you know, Jack, who's never won the AP National Player of the uh, Coach of the Year either. So yeah, that's a joke. That's a joke. Who cares what the reporters have to think? Um, but look at the UVA game. That's true. (laughs) That's your favorite AC. But looking like the UVA game, Duke's best player. Had a terrible game. Shot two mm-hmm. for thirteen. UVA's point guard, who is a notoriously awful shooter, shot six for eleven and made a career high in threes in the first half. Yeah. And also, Duke faced a defense that has notoriously, historically, given Duke teams a lot of trouble, and they were able to withstand that. AJ Griffin did the uh, the Duke freshman special from the uh, the far side wing. Yes, sir. That right, as wing, we've baby. seen. <laughs> we've seen Tyus, we've seen Jason do it. Now it's, uh, it's AJ's turn, which mm-hmm. love that. And then Syracuse, that zone, we we knew what was going to happen. Come on, we knew it. But Jimmy, those three... J- Jimmy Bayham knew it was coming too. <laughs> three guys <laughs> scoring twenty. I love that. I love seeing the three guys score twenty. Wendell, he only had five points, but he had six boards, six assists. Yep. Played some great defense. Keels was the only guy who really had trouble getting going in any sense of the word. Like he didn't have any steals or anything. He only had like four assists. Then Keels said, yeah, I'm going to get going too. And dropped 27 last night against Pitt. It was really like, like both of you guys said, Pitt, Pitt tries to defend you and throw anything at you, but tries is the the key word. Mm -hmm. I I have a lot of love for Capel, but that Pitt team is just not that good. I mean, if you're if you're any team around the nation right now, what are you what, what are you saying right now? Like, this is how we need to stop Duke. I don't see it, man. You can't. Well, I, don't, see, I don't see a way. <laughs> on, on that on that note, AC, though, our last four games, there's been a different leading score in each one, mm-hmm. and not like oh, well, there's one two guys going back and forth. No, Roach, Williams, Bantero, Keels, like 
And and the best part about it is AJ wasn't even the leading scorer in any of those games, and he lit it up. Right. And Wendell wasn't the leading scorer in any of those games. Right. And those two are fully capable of being the leading scorer for us at any given moment. And, like, and, no team has has four dudes on the perimeter that can guard all our guys, right? Like, yep. I don't, what am I missing here? Well, why, the other thing on Wendell, by the way, is he is he's now become who we want him to be. He's probably our fifth best player. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. scary if you play on against us. Yes. That's that's extremely scary, and it's exactly what we were hoping was going to happen with this team. The chips will fall as they may, and they have. And and he's he has relished in that role. Everybody has a role now. That was the one thing that worried me was the lack of roles with this team because we've seen it with some of the other young teams in the past. This team has clear – they are now playing with clear defined roles, and I think that's why we are seeing such a resurgence because Paolo doesn't look confused anymore. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Mark is already – he's always known what he's doing. Jeremy is more comfortable now in his role off the bench. Trevor's comfortable in that point guard role, it seems. Wendell, like you said, is that fifth option now. AJ is just, he's just, why do you continue to leave AJ open? Why? Like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> like, what is happening here? Like, are y'all thinking, like, are they really just thinking that eventually he's just going to miss? Because he's not. Like, good luck, y'all. Like, I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and, and then you have Paulo. So, Jay, uh, Jack, like, just here's the thing. Here's the thing that we have Paulo. Give now. him the backstory. You got to give him the backstory. Yeah, I'm going to give him the backstory. So, here's the thing is that Paulo, it's no secret that Paulo has struggled. He, he was the first one to say it. It was mental for him. Coach K talked about it after the Syracuse game that, you know, they're, they're finding different ways. Him and John Shire are working together, you know, a lot off the court. Trying to just kind of you know watch film and, and stop thinking as much and just play more with instincts and making the game fun again. And you saw the breakout again um, against Syracuse. And the one thing I was looking for is can he now follow that up? He did that against Pitt. The guy's on fire. He will have a huge game against UNC. But this was on the tails uh, of the, the the UVA game. You know when he was two of thirteen, zero uh, and three from three. He didn't feel comfortable out there. He's only scored in single digits two times this entire season, both against UVA. And so I said, going into the Syracuse game, that this is a huge game for Paulo. If he doesn't break out in this game, he might be done. And I predicted that he would break <laughs> out. Wait a minute. Right, let me finish, Jack. <laughs> I said he would break out and have a 24-10 and 10 game, 10 being rebounds, not assists. So I was wrong. Is that what you wanted to hear, Jack? I was wrong that it wasn't. <laughs> rebounds it was actually assist but the guy did break out as tk predicted i mean yeah but you also sounded very much like the the sports radio callers in my home city of philadelphia <laughs> i believe the direct quote i think you sugarcoated a little bit the direct <laughs> quote was if it's not 24 10 it's over yeah I believe yeah, that was the yeah you quote. said it's over for paulo tk you said that and you have no. to em- you have to embellish a little bit you know for the audience <laughs> Look, I mean, yeah, Paulo's struggled. The UVA game, he had five assists, which shows that he's trying to move the ball to get people to get buckets. The thing, the thing with Paulo is that he's never going to, like, try to force something that's not there. Tony Bennett schemed him out, did an incredible job of it. And I, I really, as much as I hate Tony Bennett being lauded <laughs> as, a, like, some, like, amazing coach, he really did a great job of taking Paulo out of the game both times that Duke and UVA played this year. I have to hand it to him. That being said, Paulo was mad. He was hungry and he wanted to prove that that was just a one-off and he did just that. He had 21 points. He had nine assists. Sorry, TK. He didn't hit 24 and 10. I guess he's done, but 
he's 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 back. He's he's back. I'm happy to see it. Every Duke fan is happy to see it, and uh, it's it's just a good thing. It's it's scary. We've we talked about it last night. How we like we've noticed watching the team play. Oh, Paulo's not in. I didn't notice. This team is scary without him. Mm-hmm. Now they have a full full strength, like full head of steam, Paulo Boncaro. Whew. Yeah, look not out. like to be yeah. an opponent of Duke the next couple weeks. Yeah, uh, and uh, UNC, uh, watch out because the last seven uh, games, it's crazy. Last seven games, he's alternated turnovers three one, three one, three one, three one, three, which is it's nuts. Like <laughs> to alternate like that. So I guess one turnover coming for UNC. So good luck, UNC. Good luck, Baycott. <laughs> Baby, back yeah. Then. Well, so well, the, 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 here's what we know now: Colin Baycott is officially back. And speaking of coming back, we're, we're we're glad to be able to welcome back Kenny Denard. He's got a huge new Coach K special that he's going to be talking to us about. And then we're also going to talk to AC, Jack, and my landlord, and your favorite, Sheldon Williams. Welcome in. All right, so we are extremely honored and extremely excited to have Kenny Denard with us right now. Kenny, how are you doing today, man? Well, it's all my honor because let me tell you, this just being a live thing has been a lot of fun lately. <laughs> it has, right? Like it's 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 been nice. We were talking about it before we started recording that we haven't talked to you in in about two years for obvious reasons, and it's just been yeah, it's been crazy. But it's it's nice to actually get back to a little bit of normalcy and be able to talk to you again. So we want to we want to start off right away with you have something incredible coming up. I believe it's on. Is it is it only on ACC Network or is it going to be shown on ESPN as well? You're... No, it's not a it's not a TV show. It's a okay. digital streaming show. The ACC. I was just tickled and shocked. They gave me a call and said, "Hey, we want you to host this series. Would you be interested?" And I said, "Well, tell me about it." But basically, they wanted to do a four episode series for the you know to interview people uh, former players from the eighties, the nineties, two thousands, and two thousand tens. Wow. And do talk about Coach K. I mean, we could always talk about these great players, okay? Mm-hmm. These are the premier players, and he's had a lot of them. I mean, you can't get them all on the show. <laughs> but um, the 80s uh, is Jay Billis and Johnny Dawkins and, and Allah Abdel Nabi. The mm-hmm. 90s is Grant Hill and Wojo, Steve Wojowski. Yep. The 2000s are Shane Battier and JJ Reddick. Awesome. And the two, 2010 is Nolan Smith and John Shire, the two assistant coaches now. And of course, the next to uh, step mm-hmm. in line here for head coach with John. And it was just the, the biggest honor, the biggest thrill. I was just trying to keep my stuff together because, <laughs> you know, I'm old. I'm 63 and I watch these kids grow up. I watched them go mm-hmm. through a lot of the things that we went through, you know, before Coach K got there, we had top 10, you know, playing the championship game, all that. We know all those pressures and mm-hmm. live them. But to watch them and Coach K take it to another level of this program, which mm-hmm. is unbelievable. None of us could have ever seen it coming. So it's really the guys' reflections. You know, it's not about them as much as it is about what Coach K did for them, what, what memories they had. And there's some good stories. But it's going to be streaming on youtube they're going to drop it um acc's dropping it friday night at eight the first the 80s and it'll be on several platforms uh facebook uh, youtube the acc digital network has uh channels on both of those mm-hmm. and a couple of other streaming services like roku or you know some other things i'm not real familiar with but 
a lot of the kids, you know, nobody watches TV anymore. They watch it on their phone or their iPad. So it's really, it's a, I think it's a really good distribution point for fans because it'll be there. If you miss it, when it drops, you can watch it later that night or the next day, or you can wait till they're all four down and watch them back to back. So it's up to the, the individual viewer and fan on how they're, they're wanting to view it. But it, it was just so much fun to do. And, and putting it together with the ACC folks was just fantastic. It was a thrill. I want to I hear a little bit more about it. What, are, the, is, are the guys telling stories? What's the deal with it? What's, what's kind of every, what's everybody yeah. kind of doing with it? Yeah, you know, we went through a kind of – we worked up a little Q&A script to go into it, but it always kind of blew up because these guys went off and told some great stories that led to other stories that led to other conversations <laughs> – but it's basically motivations and, and their first impressions of Coach K because, you know, Billis and J.D., when those guys were recruited, you know, they remembered our team in 78 is how they knew Duke. They didn't know right. Coach K. He was a new face. But when they met him, they really were impressed. I don't want to give away the show, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's each how, how each one of these players was drawn to Duke. And over the decades, it has evolved, obviously, from where Jay and Johnny took a, a risk, a, a chance. They got recruited by teams that were already a little more established. Whereas the other guys, when they came in, like Wojo, you know, Wojo came after Grant Hill, and those four right. years of Grant Hill were the most prolific of you know three Final Fours, two national mm-hmm. championships, blah blah. And then Wojo was that first year, his freshman year was Coach K's uh, medical leave year. That's right. So you know that was the only year and. From 80 whatever year it was a long time that duke had and it was the only year that they weren't in the ncaa tournament for a big span i can't remember the years right off the top of my head mm-hmm. but we talk about that and you know he goes i mean each one of them get into a lot of heartfelt discussions about what coach meant and how it impacted their lives forever which is i think what you know the legacy is I mean, if you've seen the the, the drop, the ACC drop the the promo, the little quick thirty second promo, mm-hmm. and you don't really get a flavor for how he touched them. They're talking about how great he is, which is easy to do. Anybody can do that. <laughs> but when you hear their stories, I mean, JJ's story is gonna, you know, I think it's gonna be amazing when people learn Shane Battier's story about how Coach pushed his buttons, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that are behind the scenes but they're not you know they're not uh, nuclear secrets shouldn't use that term right now but <laughs> they're, they're they're not uh you know trade secrets but they're insights that you don't get normally but that's what we wanted to get from the show you know it's not about the players themselves it's about what coaches meant and his legacy as it lives on now, Kenny, I want to ask a little bit about the Brotherhood and how, like, you, you're you one of the original members of the Brotherhood, you being a senior coach case first year. And, I'm the, old, and, I'm, and I'm the oldest. You are the oldest. I, for, I, I the forgot OG. whether you or Gene was older. No, I'm three months old. No, six, right. maybe six months older than Gene, but I'm older. And I don't so know as, what that, that, I don't know what that gets <laughs> me, but whatever. As the oldest member of the Brotherhood, how has it felt to watch that, that uh, relationship between all the blue devils to come after you form over the last uh, 40 odd years. Well, you know, to be frank, there wasn't a brotherhood per se, other than our 78 team has been as close today as we were then. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about the sixties teams, those guys were very close with each other and went through a little downturn. And then our 78 team, you know, won the ACC championship first time in 12 years. 
And then we won two ACC championships in three years and, you know, had, had, had a good run. So when coach K came in, there wasn't really quote unquote a brotherhood. Nobody anticipated what has become what it has become. And I think it was some point down the road when coach K and his, his guys, Mike Craig and others decided a great way to raise money for coach K's dearest and closest uh, fundraiser to his heart was to build the off off campus center for in, in a very uh, tough part of town, the Emily Shashevsky center. So they mm-hmm. decided to come up with a way to help raise money. And they created the, the, the K Academy, which is the, that's really where kind of, I think the brotherhood started to formulate because there wasn't something that brought us all back very often. So right. coach K would bring back former players and we would be coaches. It was modeled after the Michael Jordan camp in Las Vegas that, uh, Coach K had been a coach with Jim Beheim and others. Yeah. Uh, so they modeled it off that, but they used all the proceeds to go to build this center and other fundraising tactics like gala auctions. So those were in the early days. And that was like 18, 19 years ago. And that really, I think, helped bring this concept of, you know, plus his longevity. Let's don't forget his longevity. Uh, right. How many how many schools have had a coach for forty plus years? Not very many on a percentage basis. Probably less than one percent. So, yeah. with that and his success and the guys he brought in, it was just a natural that eventually somebody came up with the idea to brand it and have a little logo, which was brilliant because mm-hmm. it all gave us a sense of identity. You know, it's kind of like why do people join anything? They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Right. And for guys who like me who you know, I didn't have any, I wasn't anything to help these guys do anything good. In fact, coach told most of the guys to stay away from me when they were in school. <laughs> and, that, and that's another story, but that's fine. But the point is the, the, it got better and better and better. And the players came back during the summers for K Academy and it just got closer and closer. And I think that's really in the, the, the 2000 to 2010 timeframe is when that kind of came together. Yeah. And now it's now it has its life of its own, and seeing these young guys come in with the one on one and done type mentality, you know, you would think that wouldn't work, but it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come in, uh, even Kyrie, who played six or eight games, he's still part of the brotherhood, even if he does have some wacky ideas, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and it- but the point being is, is it's because of Coach K. Mm-hmm. The brotherhood is a legacy of Coach K. It's not about us. It's about him, what he's brought together. And then we've all gotten to know each other. You know, I don't I don't bother any of the players or coaches when I go back for games. I go back to as many as I can. But in the summers, we really get to know each other better. And I get mm-hmm. to know the kids then. Uh, that's business during the winter. In the summer, it's really camaraderie and, and yeah. learning them, sharing you know, families are there, wives, babies, you know, that type of thing. So it's really, I think K Academy has been the real stimulus to create this, this strong bond that, I mean, 70 guys are allegedly coming back this weekend. Uh, That's just amazing to think about. That's 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 amazing. It is. No, I'm just happy to be one of them. Kind of speaking on that same vein, I know, you know, Kay has made this, he's made this entire thing about family. And we've heard stories and you're talking about the brotherhood and just how it's amazing how, you know, a 19 year old right now can, can talk to someone who played in the eighties 
and it's it's just amazing. And they're all under the same coach. To me, that's that's absolutely no, incredible. It's it's insane. It's it's amazing. It is. But you know, the thing too is that the it's the legacy's in good hands. I was I did a one of my former coaches back in the NBA time frame. I was George Carl, who was Carolina guy, and turned out to be he just got nominated for the Hall of Fame this year. George, uh, I was talking to him about the brotherhood and Carolina had a very similar, they didn't brand it that way. Right. Carolina under Dean Smith had a very similar bond between players and coaches. You mm-hmm. know, Dean was, I'm not, I sh- probably shouldn't talk about Dean here, but, but Dean was, he did so much for me in my life after I got out of Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach K has done so, he'd done wonderful things. We, I didn't really get to know Coach K until about 10 years after I left because, you know, we only worked together for, you know, six or eight months before I went away. Then I went to the pros and came back and graduated. And then, you know, I'd had cancer in the NBA. And so really when I joined Coaches versus Cancer in the 90s and Coach was on that board, we really started getting to know each other as people where I think you're going to love this series because the guys who we interview – you know, the ones I just mentioned, right. They, they all had four years with him and got great relation. You know, they became part of his family then, or mm-hmm. it took, you know, for me, it took years to get that kind of relationship. And it was because, you know, I'd had cancer and he was very close to Jimmy V and was part of this coaches versus cancer board. And we just had something more in common that just one year playing together when it was uh, a little different time back then, but, it's it's um, it's an amazing experience to be part of Duke, and I tell as many people as I can that went to Duke, they ought to be very very thankful because their careers and their personal lives and whatever have all benefited because of Coach K. It's not just the players. I mean, he has touched us all, and made, when people find out in my business that I went to Duke, they perk up and then they find out I played. I was Coach K's <laughs> first co-captain. It's like a whole, they look at me totally different, but it's not because of me. It's because of coach K. Mm-hmm. Can we, can we talk about that first season for a second? Cause you guys are kind of the bridge between that kind of, you are the bridge between, you know, even going back to the big Boobas days, you're the bridge between big Boobas, Bill Foster, and then moving into coach K you know, people, because of kind of how things went in the early seventies, we forget that Duke really had a good program before coach K came along and, and you guys are, like I said, you guys are the bridge for that. What was that first year like coming off of a team where you guys did go to the national championship game? What was that? For, did you see what was coming with K even maybe not to this degree, but that he, he did have something special. Uh, no, everybody asked me that question and he'll tell you that too. He didn't know it. <laughs> it was, it was, he was 34 years old. I was 22. Uh, he was trying to figure his way through, you know, the thing, have y'all watched the ACC tournament series? It's on a- ACC network now. I actually it's almost, I've watched almost, seven of them. Yeah. Almost it's brought it up because I love the, the one where you and Gene actually get a nice, <laughs> you get a nice feature there. They were talking about your friendship and how close yeah, that no, team was. Exactly. And Gene and I, we had a, we put it this way. My senior year was one where it was a transition year for the, for the program and mm-hmm. coach K put up with us, you know, a lot of, we thought as an army guy, he'd come in and start, you know, hitting us and yelling at us, but he was very patient with us. And we had some good times that year. We beat Carolina in the senior day, which is kind of the most famous uh, game in Cameron. 
according to you know whoever does those videos <laughs> right right and um but the point being is that he, he i saw his leadership capabilities mm-hmm. but you know his x's and o's and those things he was running uh motion and running man to man so there's not a lot of coaching involved there it's up right. to the players to figure out if they can do that but we were playing you know we didn't it, those first few years were tough for him mm-hmm. but once he got his players and i love the way the acc tournament interviews uh the guys about how they fought and improved each year to where they won the acc championship their senior year in 86 and went to the finals we're supposed to win it didn't but still the the level of the the program had escalated thanks to that fabulous recruiting class that came in the 86 class. So then it was a lot of coaches. Look, Bill Foster had great run, but mm-hmm. you know, how do you maintain that? you got to have a certain kind of adaptability. you got to have certain people skills, leadership skills. Not everybody has In fact, very few have that can do obviously what coach K's done. So I, I look at it that way that we were, like you said, a bridge, but it was really more of, you know, you, the, the whole Tom Butter story that's shown in the, the tournament was, mm-hmm. was was excellent. But I really liked the way, you know, the, the, the players believed in Coach K and he saw them through. We've I do another thing. I've got another side hustle called uh, Run It Back. It's a podcast with Truth Plus Media and 99. It's we interview a guy from a famous team we've done um, uh, me and Gene, I mean, me and uh, Mike Domanski did the first show. Mm-hmm. We've done some other shows with uh, like um, I'm blanking right now, but uh, Sam Perkins, Sam Perkins season in 82. Mm-hmm. And every one of these teams that has magical seasons, like we had in 78, they had in 82 uh, St. Uh, St. Joseph's. All oh, right. Remember St. Joseph teams with uh, Martelli. Yeah, well, yeah. We had uh, Jameer. Um, oh, yeah, Jameer. Yeah, yeah Jameer Nelson. I love that guy. That's a great show. We've and yeah. it's, You've got to run it back on Apple Pods. You can listen to them. They're really good. And we're doing Corey Brewer this week. Oh, nice. So it's nice. A, that's a, and that team in Florida had back-to-back, you know. So anyway, the point is that when you look at how teams develop that excellence and you hear common denominators, you hear about team, it's we, not me. You know, that's consistent to winners, but you don't hear it in programs as consistently as Duke. Mm-hmm. You don't hear it, you know, Carolina, Dean Smith had it. I think since Dean's left, there's been waves of positivity at Carolina, but it, it's tough. It's tough to have that we versus me mentality, especially in the one and done era. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about what John's going to accomplish because he is, he and his staff are so prepared so ready for the whole modern basketball game with the free agency or the, what they call the transfer portal, the mm-hmm. name, image, and likeness, the, the one and done, all that stuff. Those guys are, that's their world. They've been in it for 10 years. So I think we're in good hands for the next 40 years. Now, Kenny, I want to ask about, I've heard Gene talk about his experience a little bit. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about your first experience with Coach K after he got the job. You talk about that a little bit. <laughs> okay. I was in Key West, Florida, uh, at the pier house at about five 30 in the afternoon when the news came on, I was having a couple of shots of tequila to get ready to go out. Now 
I was supposed to be in school because we never got we never got a spring break. So I would take a spring break. In fact, I think Gene was in Philly and I'm down and and then we get to I see the TV. Uh, you know, Mike Krzyzewski's been named head basketball coach at Duke University. It's on a 19-inch television in the corner. And I'm saying, can you turn that up? Oh, my. I better get back to college because I'm supposed to be there. And I bet you he's wanting his captains to have part of a meeting. So it took me like, and this is back before anybody knew where I was. They couldn't locate me. They didn't, we didn't have cell phones. And I, it took me about a week to get all the way from Key West because I had to stop and get money wired to me. <laughs> from brother or family or friends to get all the way back home. Uh, so it took about a week to get back. And then and we had a meeting and I don't have a lot of memories of the first time we met other than he didn't yell at me. Okay. <laughs> that was, that was the good thing. He didn't. That's always good. But that's, you know, again, it was, he came in knowing that he had his hands full. He had to adapt and adjust. And that was, that was part of what I knew from that year that, he could adjust because, you know, he certainly was young, could have come in and, you know, been a strict authoritarian and whatever, but he didn't, he came in, we had rules, we had curfew, we had all those types of things, but he wasn't on us uh, like uh, people might thought. Now you listen to Billis and Johnny Dawkins in the show, he changed. He got, once he got his players, he had a different way of expectation. So I think that'll be interesting to, to see when you watch the series. This isn't exactly Coach Kaylid. This is more we we are doing this during our UNC episode. So I gotta ask, uh this uh this past weekend was the anniversary of a game your sophomore year against UNC where a certain chant was invented <laughs> and the score was incredibly low. So I, I do want to ask you about that forty seven forty game and your experience playing in it. Yeah, no, it was uh one of those that I will remember forever until the dementia hits the, uh, the, the air, chant air ball when Rich Yonaker shot the ball with, I don't know, they held it for like 12 minutes. Right. Uh, and then, had the craziest anyway, ever chanted air ball in a game before that? Like, no, maybe no, like a small non-conference no. opponent or anything. No, they hadn't. They hadn't. That's crazy. Say, my uncle was, uh, was a sophomore at Duke or a freshman at Duke that year. He was sitting right, right close to where Yannicker was when he shot the ball, and he, he's told me about his experience. So, yeah, you know who yeah. caught that air ball, right? No, I can't remember off the top of my head. Me, <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Rebound king, man, of course. Air ball king, that's right. I'm the air ball. I'm the air ball whisperer. No, but Rich Yannicker is a buddy of mine. We played together for a little while uh, at the next level, but. The key to that game was, uh, and I think the ACC tournament series talks about it and goes in depth, is that it was a strategy that Dean wanted to take the crowd out of the game. It was Pinarco's last game, and, you know, it was meaningful. Uh, but the 7 nothing, it was just the weirdest first half. You know, second half, we played up straight up 40-40. Uh, the one thing that people don't really talk about, which I love talking about because my buddy G-Man, I like to rib him a little, you know, G-Man got thrown out of that game at the end because when he got a rebound and he ripped it down, he swung, you know, he kind of does that wobble where your elbows go back and forth to kind of yeah. clear people off of you. And Al Wood did the most a tremendous um, acting job and <laughs> flopped on it. And Dean comes out running, throw him out. He hit two guns. <laughs> and literally I was sitting there going, 
he he got tossed. The refs tossed him because Dean said so. And Al was down there on the floor acting like he would, you know, punch like Sonny Liston, you know, like <laughs> and, and Maha. And then and then it was going to be a big brawl where O'Corn and Chicky Yonaker were coming over, and so me and Gene were like a SEAL team guys protecting you know G Man as we backed out of the situation. And Spinarco goes over to O'Corn and says, "Man, just tell him to get up. We know he acted." <laughs> So that later, Carolina family then, huh? Oh no! Well, years later, Al Wood admitted it. He took, you know, he took the dive, and and it, but it didn't help them win. But it was quite the, you know, it's the only time G Man was ever disqualified from a game. He never fouled out of a game at Duke. That's incredible. That's incredibly that only, impressive for a big guy. Oh, and he had the best timing. Mean, he was a like uh, Al McGuire used to call him, aircraft carrier. You know, he was, <laughs> he was, he could. He cleaned the boards, mm-hmm. but no, that was a, a fun game to be part of and to be remembered. But I always have to get in the, the trivia question: Who caught Chicky's air ball? There it is. But he owned, he owned that. Nobody until he graduated. Air ball every time he got the ball when he had it in his hands. <laughs> air ball, air ball, pass it away. Now they do that for everybody. You know, right? Every school does it, but at mm-hmm. Duke. He owned it until he graduated, and then they passed it on to anybody who got airballed. Kind of stick, sticking with the the Carolina vein here. Can, give us tell what that that eighty one game, Cave's first home game against UNC, March first. Can you tell? No, us it was Feb, it was February twenty eighth. That was February twenty eighth. February twenty. Yesterday was the forty first anniversary of the date. Okay. So whatever day. You air this. February twenty eighth was the forty first anniversary of the Carolina game. Okay, Give, tell me about. I want to know as much as I can about this game because that's I did not experience it. I was not old. I was not alive to experience. I was two years short. Please tell me about this game because it's one of it's one of my favorite games to read about, to learn about, to watch highlights from that I can find. And you know, Gene handed out the roses before the game and everything. Just what what led up to that game just being what it was. What did you have you been to my YouTube channel? Yes, the one where you have oh. all the, the different highlights and things. Yeah, there's yes. there's the it has the kind of end of game series, but mm-hmm. it was a great game. Uh they were a great team in eighty one. They made it to the finals against Indiana and lost. Then they made it to the national championship next year and won. So mm-hmm. that was a great team. Um Sam Perkins was at the line with two seconds to go, tie game. He hits both of them and I was supposed to call timeout. When I got the ball of the net, instead Dean called timeout, which tactically is a, really a mistake because that gave us a time. We threw it to half court, called timeout. Right. So we had one second. So coach draws up a play and he says, everybody thinks we're going to Gene. You know, Chip's our shooter. Set a pick for Chip, go to the corner, make it, whatever. And then Tommy Emma's a great shooter too. So we, we had some shooters for one second. We only had one second to tie this game. They didn't have a three-point line back then. So when Gene and I broke the huddle, we looked at each other and just gave each other that look, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's our senior game. I'm not passing it to Chip. <laughs> right. So, and Chip, Chip seems to tell people that this wasn't true. But that's okay. It's it's a fog of war, you know. Who knows? It was a great win. It was the win of mm-hmm. my senior year. So it was – um you know, just perfect. I wrote about it for the Duke Chronicle. They did a book on Coach K called The King of Cameron. Page 13, I did a whole 
I wrote a whole story about it that kind of goes into the the uh, more of a storytelling mode that I can't, you know, it's hard to recreate that on a podcast, mm -hmm. but I had a chance to write it out. I actually wrote a chapter for it for my book, um, which is not going to be published until about a hundred years after I'm dead. <laughs> it's like, Mar like Mark Twain. That right, way. Right. Nobody, nobody can be offended by then. Uh, but still the fun part was it was fantastic day. We won coach got his first win against Carolina and Dean. Then we all, a bunch of us went to Bruce Springsteen in Greensboro and uh, just had a great time. It was a perfect day. Speaking of awesome days, I, I do got to ask what what uh, kind of festivities are you looking forward to this uh, this Saturday in Durham? Well, you know, I, I I'm trying not to get too hyped. You know, obviously the show the series is going to drop Friday night, so there'll mm -hmm. be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday night at eight o'clock. The four different decades are going to drop on the digital platforms. Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun to see people's reaction to it. And, you know, cause you're right there in the middle of everybody. Right. Um, as far as festivities, I'm sure we'll have some receptions or different things for the former players coming back, but uh, those are not public knowledge as far as public invited. So sure. there'll be some, some of that. And then it'll be a tip. I've been to every Carolina game since 1994 at home. Awesome. Grant's Grant senior year. I've That's been awesome. every Carolina game at, at Duke since then. And it's just the greatest show on sports. I mean, it's, I, I went this year to the Carolina game that Duke played at Chapel Hill with. I was George Carl's host. Then I took him to the Virginia game as my host two days later. But I've been to a couple of games in Dean Dome. It's just, you know, whether Duke wins or loses over there, it's still not the same, you know. Yeah. And whether Carolina wins there, it's still not the same because the Duke Stadium, the Cameron Indoor Stadium, the fans, it's just a rock star event. This year, it's going to be on steroids. It's going to yeah. be <laughs> just amazing how how I'm sure you see all the prices for tickets. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just it's crazy. So I remember when when uh, one year. Seinfeld came and one year Obama came. I mean, all yeah. these stars, it's like the Lakers kind of thing or the NBA finals or the whatever. It's, it's a major event. So as far as I'm not into a lot of planning, I've got work to do Friday. So right. Saturday, you know, it'll be kind of just hanging out on the Washington Duke and enjoying everybody's company and then go over for the game. And I think it's an early game at six, right? Yeah. It's six o'clock. Yes, sir. Which is good because then there's time to drink afterwards. I was about to say that's, yeah, that's part of those, those nine o'clock games are tough because you know, then, <laughs> yeah. then you're like, Oh, I'm so exhausted. And then the bar closes early, but uh, I think the Washington Duke it closes early anyway, but uh, mm -hmm. anyway, that's, there's not uh, a huge agenda other than, you know, go watch Duke win and cheer loud cheer for coach absolutely i'm gonna i'm gonna be there and i'm selfish i'm gonna be i'm gonna be looking for you guys all over campus because i know you said there's gonna be 70 former players there and <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm freaking out <laughs> for, that, for that fact so no it's gonna he... be fun it's gonna be good uh you know i've been back to five or six games this year mm -hmm. and they always announce welcome back you know and they show your picture on the board and everybody will kind of cheers right I don't know how the PA guy is going to do it. I don't know if there's enough timeouts to introduce it. 
So every I mean, TV they, timeout, they're going to have to introduce like 15 and 20. That's right. So. I was at the Florida State game, and I know they had to split it up in the first and second half, and they still didn't even say a couple guys. Yeah, yeah, which is great. I mean, that's mm-hmm. we we're there to to support the program and to support coach, and you know, it's the end of an era, and we should just really enjoy it. That's all. Just really enjoy it. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, thank you for being on. One more time, you know, you have the the legacy coach cage dropping on Friday, Friday at eight p.m. YouTube, the ACC Digital Network channel on YouTube, Facebook, Stir, Plex, Roku, Samsung TV. If you have all those things, please tune in March 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th at 8 p.m., the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. It's crazy to think that we've had one coach for that long. Thank you for coming on, Kenny. Like, seriously, this is, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is an honor. It's crazy. As from a fan's perspective, you know, this this week is going to be it's, it's a fun week. And and to be able to be down there, I told you I'm going to be looking out for you in the in the yeah, camo. Come, so. <laughs> come, come, uh, come give me a, a big hug because I'm, I'm into hugs. I, I didn't hug. <laughs> me, too, man. me too. I'm into hug. Well, we thank I'm you for hugs. coming on. And, you know, this is not the end. Obviously, you know, we, our podcast is going to keep going. Hopefully sure, we last fine. 40 years like, hey, so, you know, we're, we're going to be coming back again. So. Well, just call Absolutely. me. I'll be happy to do it again. Of course. Of course. Thank you again, Kenny. You bet. All righty, here we go. Luckily for our listeners, AC, Jack, and I have paid our rent on time for the last few seasons. <laughs> just so we can bring in our landlord and your yes, favorite, the legend, Sheldon Williams. Uh, Sheldon, welcome on the Five Point Play podcast. Um, the first thing I kind of wanted to start with, obviously, um, as of right now, it was reported that there's going to be about 80-plus former players uh, that will be in attendance for uh, for Kay's last game in Cameron this weekend. Um, but I got to ask you specifically, because your number is hanging in the rafters, I have to assume that you get kind of the high in the pecking order in terms of where you want to be able to sit. Is that right? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about all that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it would be nice, but I'm not sure. I mean, uh, Coach K has, uh, what, 42 years worth of teams. Um, so I'm not sure what the total amount of people is coming back. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of players, a lot of managers and everything too. So it's going to be a, a great time. Yeah. There, yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of festivities that you guys have planned uh, for, you know, players only and everything. Do you know of anything for fans or anything else? I'm going to be down there. I'm selfishly trying to ask over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not really. I mean, um, I'm sure there's some things that are going to be happening um, once we get there. Uh, I'm sure they want to keep the whole surprise element of everything too. So word doesn't really get out, um, that type thing. So I'm sure that's gonna, something like that's going to happen, but there's the fact that everybody's going to come in, uh, for the game, um, and then try to do something that uh, towards after the game and, uh, everybody kind of like, you know, just, you know, see each other. You'll see like a whole bunch of generations, uh, in the same room, which we don't really see that often outside of, uh, coach K Academy, which, you know, is held every summer. That's mm-hmm. the only time we ever see, like, you know, you know, generations from the 80s, 90s, to the early 2000s, all the way up until, like, you know, 2010-type uh, group. So we all kind of reconnect like that. So it's, it'd be kind of cool to actually reconnect now during the season at a game, at a big game like uh, UNC. Now, Sheldon, I want to ask uh, about this current team a little bit. A lot of people have compared you to uh, – or compared Mark Williams to you. Um, do you do you see that all? And if, if you do, what do you see in him? that uh, reminds you of yourself? 
Well, I mean, I think the comparison is like, you know, we both are one last name Williams and then two, <laughs> uh, you know, play center and everything, uh, shot blockers. So that's what's going to be the automatic um, uh, comparison with that. But, you know, his, his shot blocking is a lot different than mine. I used to try to get a lot of my shot blocks once the release of the ball of the opponent so I can at least tap it to myself and uh, and get the get, you know control of the ball or tap it to another teammate where they can try to get control of the ball. Uh, whereas Mark, he's more of a high flyer, a lot taller than me, so he can get stuff at the apex of shots. And he does a lot of times just kind of um, weak side uh, shot blocking where he's kind of throwing them out of bounds type thing. But both ways are both uh, block, blocking shots and everything, just, you know, two different styles. Have you had a chance to talk to him or anything? I know a lot of times there'll be foreign players who, you know, if there's somebody who is anything like them at all. I mean, I remember when you played, I remember they talked about Grant Hill uh, talking with Lil Ding. Do you ever get a chance to talk to Mark or any of the players uh, currently or even past couple of years? Yeah, I, I talked to him uh, earlier in the year. Um, one was uh, just kind of talking on the on the podcast I was doing uh, with Believe in Network, uh, Duke, uh, Believe in Duke Network, mm-hmm. as well as like, their personal one during COVID of my own. Um, but I kind of changed from my personal one to uh, Believe in Duke Network. And then um, just talking to them then, and I went back last week for the Florida State game, was able to talk to them after the practice and, you know, things like that. But, you know, it just – being the older, I guess the older guy and everything, you don't want to say too much because, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but, you know, back in my day type thing. Or so <laughs> I never want to be that type of person. But, you know, uh, he's a good guy, good guy, good head on the shoulder, and he's been, uh, you know, playing pretty well. Sheldon, on this team, on this team uh, specifically, does it remind you at all of any of the teams that you played on? And, you know, how do you see this team kind of shaping itself up going into the postseason here? Um, I'm not sure if it compares to any of the teams that I've played on. Um, because I, I want to say with all the teams I was in school, um, we had either three a three headed monster. Um, you know, when I say that scoring wise, or it was a a two headed monster where we had like you know, of course JJ the sharpshooter and me inside. Um, I'm not sure if I can compare that to any of my teams because nobody's as good of a shooter at JJ. Um, and then uh, for the bigs, you know, um, we have a collection of bigs where we have, you know, Paolo who can play inside, but he's not uh, just a strictly inside like I was. And then Mark, you know, he plays really well off the off the ball. And then also with, uh, you know, on the defense with shot blocking. But I, I couldn't say that I have any team that I played for when I was at Duke that it can actually compare. Now, Sheldon, I want to ask, since it is it is Carolina week, I want to ask about a game that you played in against UNC at the Dean Dome, not at Cameron for this one, but uh, your sophomore year, I believe it was, you had 22-12, and 12. Chris Duhon had that game winner, and I just want to ask um, just about your experience playing in, in such, of an, such an intense game and rivalry in that sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, growing up, I used to see that that type of game on TV all the time and looking at it on TV, you know, you can, you can sense the intenseness of everything, but actually being on the other side and actually being on the TV screen and being in those games, it's a hundred times even more. Like it's just, uh, it's a crazy rivalry. Uh, obviously I'm biased, but that's like the best rivalry in uh, college basketball. 
and just being involved with those uh those type games it was pretty cool just to be a part of because like i said um we always had the duke carolina you know intense rivals no matter if one was ranked both were ranked or both not unranked, unranked it's always going to be a great game and it was just pretty cool to actually be a part of that i mean uh, like you said, that year, my sophomore year, where we went down to Wire and Chris they had to do like a little a loop-de-loop um, uh, layup, this, you know, the winning game. It was just a, a crazy game going back and forth, which is very intense, but it was a fun game to be a part of. Obviously, I'm going to say that because like, we won, but it's a <laughs> fun game right. to be a part of. <laughs> it was fun watching it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That one and that, uh, the, the senior night game with Duhon, that's still one of my favorite, favorite Duke Carolina games of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but hey, you got to you got to give us maybe even from that season because that was such a good season. I and mean, we went to the Final Four. Duke UConn was basically a national championship game. Like what you, I know you got some kind of fun story for that for that season in particular. <laughs> no, I mean you guys and uh, K. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't say a, a necessarily a fun story. I mean that was one of the stories. I mean one of the years that we thought we should really have won. I mean obviously the game that. uh we played should have been a national championship game because the actual national championship game was not really good. I don't think it was one of being a blowout against, uh, I believe, Georgia Tech, I believe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we knew that we had a chance to actually uh, get past UConn because we already beat Georgia Tech um, twice in regular season and once in a championship of ACC tournament. We knew that we had a number. It was just getting past UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, you know, like what, four or five of our bigs got fouled out that game and we didn't have enough to actually uh, – um, overcome, overcome that towards the end. But I mean, that that that, that year was special just because we uh, lost to Purdue in the Great American Shootout in Alaska, mm-hmm. championship game, and we had a team meeting when, when we came, got back to Duke. And during that team meeting, we were trying to say, like, you know, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? Because we start seeing ourselves not be ourselves. Um, granted, Purdue you know, played a good game, but it was just it wasn't it wasn't us. And we had a team meeting, kind of come to Jesus type meeting. And I think we wind up running off like twenty some games in a row yeah. from that point until we lost in, in overtime or double overtime in the ACC tournament that year. And it was to the fact that we really thought that we were on course to be national champions. Unfortunately, we lost in the final four and that didn't happen, but that was a, a pretty cool thing where we all kind of came together, had this petition that we all signed and coaches like, don't sign it unless you mean it. And he wouldn't sign it until he knew for sure that our words matched our actions. And he wound up signing up maybe a couple weeks later and we left that on the board the whole season and that's something we saw day in, day out, game in, game out. And we kept that in the back of our mind, holding each other accountable. And like I said, it, it took us from that loss to Purdue all the way up until uh, that championship, uh, championship, I'm sorry, the final four of uh, UConn, which mm-hmm. was, uh, unfortunately where we lost. How was he able to keep you guys focused for that stretch that long? Because you hear a lot of fans, it's fan service, and they're like, oh, you know, maybe the team needs to lose a game before the tournament. I hate that so much. How was he able to keep you guys motivated through those types of winning streaks? I know that's one of his his biggest traits is his ability to motivate people. Yeah, I mean, I think one, having our name attached to what we said and seeing mm-hmm. everybody, that was a big motivator in itself. Because I mean, it's almost like a contract where we promised that we're going to uphold ourselves to our end and hold each other accountable if we see that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing to get to that point. 
So I think that's one thing that he had do, uh, you know, during that. Obviously, you know, between the age of 18 and 22, 23, you know, you're going to have people kind of act act out a little bit or be silly sometimes, whatever. But Coach always did a, did a good job of nipping that in the butt when he sees that and making sure that we stay online because you don't want to have one person kind of mess up the locker room type thing and just keeping everything focused. And that's the one thing that he, he does a good job of because obviously it was a different time then. We didn't have a lot of outside distractions like we have now with social media, you know, things like that, whatever. You know, back then we just AOL Instant Messenger. So we didn't have, you know, we didn't have much uh, going on on uh, outside of our, our little bubble. But it right. was a lot easier to kind of keep things focused with that because he controlled who came into Cameron, who came into Duke, you know, those type things. Yeah, you kind of touched on it real quick, Sheldon, and we'll kind of get you out of here on this. But for this Saturday, what is Kay going to have to do to keep his team, you know, away from all the noise that's going to be? It's, it's going to be impossible. You have all the former players that are going to be there, more ESPN trucks than they'll know what to do with in the parking lots. What is Kay going to have to kind of drum up to kind of get these guys to realize, you know, I know it's not just another game, but how do we keep that focus and keep that energy level to where it needs to be? Because even in normal Carolina games, which are never normal, you always talk about kind of expending way too much energy before the tip-off. What is he going to have to do in this game to kind of keep his team loose and ready to roll? Well, I don't think he will have to do a lot. I mean, fortunately, being on a Duke team comes with a lot of different responsibilities and ways to handle things, especially now that with all the distractions going on with the NFTs and other things like that, I think that uh, he's figured out how to control that because um, one, we have, you know, some players on the, on the team that's, you know, getting those type deals. So he knows how to understand and uh, structure that. Uh, the biggest thing is you don't have to really do much for a Carolina game because everybody knows whether you are, not understanding the magnitude of a Carolina Duke game, you know that once you're on campus, it's always like a, a prelude to the actual game, leading up to the actual game. So you know the energy is there. The students out there three months before, 10 to now, you know how serious the, that game is. So all of a sudden, the energy is almost like just a snowball effect, and you're waiting, 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 and now all of a sudden it's about to come uh, to a, a apex where it, it's about to flow, and the energy is going to be there. I don't think that's going to be an issue with our guys because um, being able to be a part of a, a historic, you know, rivalry is not going to be an issue for anybody to kind of get up for. And, and, and quickly, you know, Sheldon, your emotions is kind of a cliche question for this week, but your emotions, you know, what are you going to feel this, when you're watching the K walk out there for the last time? Uh, I don't know. That's going to be uh, interesting because uh, we knew going in that this is kind of like his last year. And as the season uh, dwindles down, it was more so, all right, well, we have this many games left, this many games left. Yesterday was the last road regular season game. And now we over here about to be the last game and last uh, AC um, home game for Coach Gay. And it's almost like, all right, it's not, it's not for real. It's not for real. It's not for real. And all of a sudden, oh, it's actually now for real. And to have this moment finally come, I guess, is pretty much surreal yeah. because 
he has had a 42-year coaching journey that was, you know, a legendary journey and one of the best to ever do it. And this, all things do come to the end, so it's going to be kind of bittersweet. It's just that we know it's coming, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily what we're going to feel until we actually be in that moment because we can think about it. But mm-hmm. until you actually be in that moment, I think it's going to be a lot different than you actually thinking about what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I feel that, and I feel the emotion in, in, in you know, just what you were saying. But uh, I appreciate you coming on to the Five Point Pay podcast. Yes, sir. Um, Sheldon, yeah, you mentioned uh, Believe in Duke uh, with you and Steve Weissman. Just kind of tell us a little bit about that podcast. I've had a chance to listen to it. It's awesome. Um, give us a little bit of a, a kind of a understanding of what it's about and uh, when, it, when it's out. Yeah, Believe in Duke podcast. Believe as in B-L-E-A-V. Uh, and do podcasts as something that I um, restarted pretty much at the beginning of last, I'm sorry, at the end of last season, um, we got, you know, approached with the Believe Network to actually do something together. And um, we just kind of just, one, he's a writer for the uh, newspaper in Carolina. So he's there at all the, you know, Duke games. And obviously I'm going to be watching all the Duke games. So, it was kind of a, a good match for us. And then we just kind of went from there where we just talk about things that we saw in the game, uh, things that uh, not necessarily that everybody knows about. Um, and then we try to uh, bring on some guests every now and then, you know, Duke guys and everything and kind of go from there. So it just started off as something that, you know, we just thought it was fun to do. And now we just, we like doing it. Awesome. There you have it. Appreciate you coming on and go Duke. All right. No problem. Go Duke. Play. All right, thank you so much to Penny and the landlord, Sheldon Williams, uh, AC, a lot of your stuff there. Great mm-hmm. listen, and I could have talked to both of those guys for hours. Um, Dude, I, just, but, I know, need to find a way into these players-only meetings they got going on this weekend. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, kind of, I want to piggyback off of one thing that Sheldon said there at the end, because, uh, Jack, I started kind of tearing up there. Oh, me too. Uh, <laughs> at, at the end, I knocked over my microphone, I think, at one point, because I was crying. Um. But, you know, he did talk about Coach K and what he's meant to to so many. Um, and so I thought it would be fun to kind of give, you know, one quick Coach K memory uh, that you guys might have, uh, you know, kind of a personal memory. Because we've all, you know, been around uh, enough as, as Duke fans where everybody has something. Um, and so, Jack, why don't you kind of give us, you know, a Coach K memory that you have? So, obviously, I grew up a Duke fan. I've been I've been around the I've been around Duke fans my whole life. Um, as I've said many times, one of my favorite Coach K stories, the thing that really made me understand who K was as a person um, and kind of cemented my love for him as, as a fan of the game was when my father was in college, he was tenting and it was, it was snowing. It was below freezing. So K opened up the gym, got a bunch of basketballs and ordered a ton of pizzas into the gym uh, for all the tenters and just hearing that even as a little kid just understanding that he he realized how how bad the outdoor conditions were and said everyone just get inside this is not like safe right now for you because tenting back then wasn't regulated this is the late 80s so just hearing that even as a little kid I realized the importance the gravity of that and just how how much it showed coach K cares about other people not not just because they can play basketball well, but just because they're human beings and they deserve to be treated with respect. And just 
that made me that made me as even a young like very small child realize just this is an awesome guy we're watching greatness on and off the court with him and that's that's really solidified my identity as a duke fan uh ac what do you got man have a guy we, we got another hour uh God, <laughs> you know what i mean like that's the crazy thing about it man like he's, he's the only basketball coach i've known at, at my favorite college you know what i mean and you see other coaches other great coaches come and go but he's been there for 42 years man it's nuts to say that and you know every, things i tried to do in my own life and coaching came from like watching him and listening to him and it's just like to think that it's over now is crazy and now this season it's it's very odd it's almost serendipitous to sit here and think this is his senior night like we have two seniors on the team and Theo and Bates but they aren't they're I mean they're Duke seniors they're absolutely part of the brotherhood but they're not guys that he brought in from beginning to end so this this year really is his senior night man and that's 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 wild to think about and that's the the memory I like to share I love memories I like to share just all those senior night memories he has with guys like Grant and Wojo JJ Duhan I mean with you know tears in his eyes every time those guys are going up getting the recognition from the fans and everything and you you can see just how much he cares about his players and you know it's it's just there's there's no way I'm I'm not gonna cry nobody there's no way anybody who's a Duke fan is, is not gonna cry watching whatever they show on TV and what we see in person at the game with, with how they're going to honor him, man. I, it's just, that's, that's wild to me. Yeah. You know, we talked about it and, and Sheldon even, you know, alluded to it again, that it, it just, until it happens, it doesn't feel real. And, and I don't know about you guys, but after watching the end of that pit game, uh, you know, the buzzer sounds and I'm like, this is really about to happen, isn't it? it, mm-hmm. it this, this is over. Um, and and the fact that Coach Kane is going to come out of that tunnel one last time, and I know that they have all kinds of things for him, and he's going to acknowledge the crowd before the game. There's going to be close to 100 former players there. It's going to be an emotional thing for, for all of those guys that have played for him, uh, parents um, that, you know, had sons play for him, uh, anybody that went to K Academy and, and, and was able to, you know, be around the greatness that is Coach K. Everybody has their own story, and – um, and I've shared mine before on this podcast, but, um, you know, in 2001, uh, Shane Battier's senior year uh, in Cam, when we lost that game mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in an inexplicable uh, brain fart from, of all people, Shane Battier, yeah. uh, it was a tough, it was a tough loss for that team. And, uh, you know, the, the team was heartbroken and a couple of UNC assholes, uh, you know, fans behind their bench came out and spit on, the, uh, the the Duke logo at half court, and then there were a couple, you know, Duke guys that you know kind of ran onto the court, students, and pushed them away, and there was that circle that formed, um, you know, uh, around the, the Duke emblem. And I was at that game, and I you know kind of walked down onto the court after the game was over, and I kind of stood in that same circle. And Coach K uh, came out, and he talks about this in his uh, in his book, uh, Leading with the Heart. And he talks about, you know, how Mickey said you got to go out and say something to those, you know, those students. Uh, and I just happened to be there. And he came out and said, look, the team is down. Um, the team is devastated. They just, they wanted it too much. And, um, but this team's going to win the national championship. And he had us all put our face in the middle um, and, you know, saying, go Duke. And, you know, he talks about getting chills all the time, but I still get chills talking about that moment. And I was just a footnote. 
Uh, just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Um, but, you know, when I had read his book, you know, a couple of years later, um, just talking about it, uh, it was awesome. Uh, and it just made me feel special um, to, to know that I was just a footnote in, in, in that. So um, with that, it's going to be surreal that um, Saturday night is is, is going to be the last time he walks out as the, uh, the Duke head coach. But there is a game. And we are going to have to focus on that. And it's going to be against UNC. There's no better way for it to end than to fucking destroy UNC yes, sir. on K-Senior night because that's really what it is, AC. Um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I hate UNC with a passion. And I just want everybody to know that everybody that's worried that this team is going to, it's going to be too much for, for them to, to be able to comprehend uh, and it's just going to be too much emotion. Stop it. This yeah. team is better. One through ten, everywhere on the lineup, we're better than they are. And don't even get me started on who's better on the sidelines. So, AC, give me the prediction in Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor Stadium. No love, no respect for UNC at all on this podcast today, baby. Give me 95 to 60. We're going to beat the fuck out of these bitches. Woo! 95 to 60. Jack, what do we got? I'm going to go with a, a similar similar margin of victory and a very familiar score, 82 to 50. <laughs> Shout out Coach Shire and his senior team. Yes, sir. I love it. I love it. And give me 91 to 67. It's going to be a bloodbath in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Let's go, Duke. We're going to let Kay close this one out, baby. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. And so this year, this year is not about anything final last or sixth. It's about this moment. This is the start of our journey. This is about our banner. This is about our house. And it's about our commitment to taking advantage of this moment. And it starts tonight. All right? So we see. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Krzyzewski!